Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. You know, you know I've had to learn how to preach different. It's interesting, COVID has done a couple things for me. I used to say, slap your neighbor. Anybody remember that? I'd say, slap your neighbor. In fact, if you know them, go ahead and slap them. Uh, now I've got to say, put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. Uh, I've had to learn that there's different angles that take place. They, they, they keep talking to me about that camera and that camera and that camera. And I, I, I'm used to teaching to faces, and now I realize there's as many out there as there are in here. And I've had to understand there's different ways of looking at things. Yeah, come on. There's different points of view than just yours. That other people see things from a different perspective than the one you see it. And that I've had to learn how to look at, and you might have to recognize that other people see things a little differently than you see things. That you're not the center of the world. Oh no, never mind. And that maybe we may have to learn a few things. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Listen, they're... They, they're all telling the same story. They just tell it from a little different perspective. If you like documentaries, read Matthew. He is going to quote more Old Testament stuff, and he's going to lay it out like this. If, if, if you like sci-fi, read Luke. He's the doctor, and he's going to talk to you about If you like action films, just read Mark. <laughs> but but if, you like, if you like to catch the inside of something, kind of a chick flick kind of thing, uh, you, you got to read John. Because John is always kind of touchy and feely, and he's always about encountering Jesus. You know, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's always doing stuff like that. Well, I'm going to read to you this morning from John's gospel, the 8th chapter, and then I'm going to jump over and read John 1, verse 14. John, the 8th chapter. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. Say with me, he taught them. It was a teaching thing. And then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Have you ever been caught in the act of something? Yeah, don't don't look. You knew you're guilty? I bet she didn't want to meet Jesus in these circumstances. She might have even been hearing about Jesus. But I bet this was an uncomfortable first now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. And when they continued asking him, they just pestered him. He raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And then those that heard it being convinced, I, I don't know quite how they heard what he was writing. The first time doesn't say that. The second time it says they heard what he was writing. Hmm, that's interesting. And then those that heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman stood in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. 
And then one verse over in John's first chapter. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Say with me, full. Say full. Of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. I love what John does. He just sums everything up. He said, God used his word to make all this and used his word to make all that. But then the word became flesh. He became one of us. He, he came into our lives. He didn't just speak. He didn't just uphold it. He joined himself to us. He united himself to us. How blessed and good it is that brothers dwell together in unity. For there I have commanded my blessing. Uh, Father, make them one with us. Jesus has always sought to unite himself to us, to be one for us. He didn't stand off over there in heaven and give us some advice. He didn't send us information. No, no. He, he comes into our world. That's the greatness of Christmas is that he came down right into where we were at. All the way through the Bible, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. You, you ever had compassion for someone? The word compassion in, in, in the earlier languages means guts. It means that when your guts get almost sick, you're moved by something just, you're, and you're, it says he was moved with compassion and he healed them. I'm going to play on that word for a minute and, and talk to you about having empathy. Have you ever had empathy for someone? I mean, seriously, you could almost feel the pain they were experiencing. You, you could almost, you were, the word empathy means to be sensitive or aware of to vicariously experience what it is they've experienced, to be moved with compassion, to be empathetic, to want to reach out and help someone because you can sense and feel the pain that they're experiencing, that you, 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 you're driven to action. You can't just sit by and watch it take place. You have to engage. And the word became, he saw our suffering. He saw we were lost. He saw we were in trouble. And he engaged in humanity. He didn't stand beside humanity. He got into humanity. I ran away from home, did a stupid thing when I was about 16. I didn't run just across. I didn't go to Yoder. I went halfway across the country. And I'll never forget, my dad came for me. And he came and he picked me up, put me in the car, and drove me back and was nice all the way back. I think that was more painful than if he had beat me. He was nice. But he had empathy on me. He had empathy because he understood the nuances of that context that you don't know. He knew the context of that behavior. He, he understood my actions even though he disagreed with them. He would not have condoned what I did, but he knew the bigger story. He didn't just evaluate my behavior because he had empathy for some of the pain that was going on in that moment. So many times we just look at the behaviors of people and we don't have empathy enough to understand the bigger narrative that's taking place. But to have empathy is not just to get stuck on their behavior, but to try to understand what it is that predicates that behavior. Have empathy. Be moved with compassion in such a way that I've got to engage with it. Years ago when I came here to pastor, Anita's father-in-law was my mentor, first mentor, Brother Crane, Lloyd Crane. He loved eating frozen peas. He's a strange man. He loved me. 
And I can, scared to death. We were getting ready to move up here, and I said, uh, Brother Crane, you've taught me lots of things. Tell me how to minister to people. Tell, tell me how to minister to people. You've taught me lots of things. He said, just be there. I said, excuse me? I, I was a kid. I didn't know anything. And probably still don't. And, and I, I, something would happen in the church. I was here three weeks, and one of the ladies in the church got killed by a car accident. Bam! Highway 50 and Yoda Road out here. Bam! Left four children. An old couple in my church, they were in their 70s, they had to raise those four grandchildren. It was horrible. I'd, we'd been here three weeks. I remember calling Brother Crane and said, What do I do? He goes, You just go sit with them. I said, What? I said, what do I say? He said, nothing. Just don't say anything. You'll mess it up. He said, they know you're young. They know you're stupid. I'll never forget it. It's just how he talked, wasn't it? You're young. You're stupid. Keep your mouth shut. Can I tell you that, have you ever been in a situation that you didn't need anybody to say anything? You just needed someone to sit there and hold your hand. To cry as you cried. To grieve as you grieved. To just, just be with you. And the word became flesh. See, we get ourselves in trouble sometimes when we try to fix stuff. Brother Crane used to talk to me about that. That's body ministry. He'd say, I'd say, what? He'd say body ministry. That's when each person in the church ministers to another person, sometimes just because they're there. Do you know your being here this morning is helping somebody else? Just the fact that you're in the room this morning, other people are going, thank God they're here. I'm not alone. Somebody's looking at them. I mean, sometimes just the fact that you're here means other people are looking at you and not looking at me. You kind of protect me, you weirdo, you know. Kind of draw attention. Never mind. People, you say to me, you let them come church dressed like that. And I said, they won't look at you. You get it in a minute. That, that. That, that presence that so much of the time we just, we just need God to be present to us, right? I mean, just, just be around us. I, I've, listen, I got so much information this week, I am tired. How, I don't know about you, but that's enough. I, how many of you ever gone to the doctor? I've gone to the doctor. Did you know not one time has he ever walked in and handed me a doctor book? He's never walked in and handed me a medical journal. Have you ever been to an attorney's office? Walk in, sit down at this table, and they got all them books up there. Not one time has an attorney reached around, pulled out that book, and said, here, read this. Have you ever lost your mind? Your husband's looking at you. I mean, seriously, have you ever lost your mind? I told this person one time, I said, I am not reading another self-help book. When you're losing your mind, the last thing you need is a medical journal. Not one time. Listen to me. When we were lost and in trouble, Jesus does not hand us a medical journal. He comes to us. He comes and becomes flesh, and he sits where we sit, and he experiences what we experience. Some of you have to understand that we don't need to hand them the book. We need to live a life. That what we live is far more important than what we think we can preach from this book. 
Jesus comes and sits with us in the midst of this. I feel like over my life I've grown a little bit. I feel like I've increased. I feel like God's done things in my life. But can I tell you, I've never grown. I've never increased. I've never, nothing's ever happened like that through the dissemination of information. It's always happened by association. It's always happened because Brother Crane took me under his arm and said, watch me, son. I'll never forget him turn around several times and say, watch this. I, I could tell you great stories about him going, son, watch this. And then all the way home from Timbuktu, Oklahoma, or somewhere in Kansas or Missouri, he'd explain what happened. Watch this. You do understand, Moses laid his hands on Joshua. And God took the spirit that was on Moses and put it on Joshua. That Joshua followed Moses around for decades. That you don't increase because of information you read on Google. You increase because you associate with and you're mentored by and you walk with. It's called associations. I increase. Elijah threw a mantle on Elisha. And Elisha followed the old prophet for 30 years. You increase by the people you hang out with. The Bible says if you walk with wise people, you'll be... How many of you raised any kid at all, ever? And you turn around to him and said, don't hang out with that. Hmm. You increase by association. Anybody know who Ruth was? Ruth, that Moabite woman who's was married to Naomi's son. The boy dies, but Ruth follows Naomi home, and Naomi ends up marrying Boaz. Listen, Ruth was blessed because she knew Naomi. You have to understand that Timothy was something because he hung with Paul. That God increases who you are because of the relationships that he places you in. That you need to be cautious about the friendships, who you walk with, who you listen to, real change takes place. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the wicked. I could preach all day today about not walking in the counsel of the stupid or standing in the way of sinners or sitting in the seat of mockers, but that he who meditates in the word of God will prosper in everything that he does. To recognize today that the entire gospel is about how God comes and becomes one with us and associates with and walks with us and dwells with us. Doesn't give us another Ten Commandments. I have news for you. The Ten Commandments and the law were powerless. Romans chapter 8 verse 4 to change us. When we were lost, I didn't need any more instructions. When we were, come on, when you were lost in your sin, you didn't need me to hand you a track. When you're lost in your sin, when you've messed your life up, you, don't, you need somebody that comes in the middle of that. And it says, and he was full of grace. Say grace. Unmerited, undeserved, unearned. You get what you don't deserve. Grace. Say grace. And truth. He was filled with both of them. He was the beauty and the beast. I mean, 
mean, if you think about it, grace forgives everything, calls on everything. But truth is holy. Truth is a standard. Truth is honest. It's interesting to me how people, I'm going to tell the truth. And love is the next part of that. But yeah, listen, truth will set you free, but it'll tick you off first. I mean, if you're ever confronted with your truth, the first thing it's going to do is make you mad. Truth. My grandmother used to get, listen, if my grandmother's here, she could heal COVID. She could heal it. She'd have bandanas for every one of you. She'd have put garlic in that bandana and in some kind of secret other stuff that smelled worse than garlic. And she'd have rolled it all up and stuck Bengay in it and then tied. Listen, I was watching TV the other night, and you know you can buy now this patch that smells like Bengay? I thought, Grandma came up with that. And she'd tie that bandana. I was never sick in grade school. Ever. Y'all know why? No one would get close to me. It was better than a mask. I'm telling you, on Monday when you send your kids back to school, it, it, she would have tied that around our neck, and then she'd have go, hold your nose. And she'd have had this great big spoon filled with castor oil. Anybody know what castor oil is? It'll fix what ails you. And she'd hold your nose and yeah. I did that for years. And finally one day I said, Grandma, why don't you ever take castor oil? She said, because it's horrible. <laughs> People are always wanting to tell the truth, but they never want to hear it. It's truth only as if I tell it about you. He came with grace and truth. That's such a paradox, right? Grace and truth. I mean, the Bible's filled with these. Uh, I, I love what the Bible says. The Bible says we are worthless servants. And then Paul comes along and says we are his workmanship. Well, which is it? Are we worthless or are we his workmanship? Blessed are those that hunger. If you follow me, you never hunger. Which is it? I want to know what side of the bed did he get up on this morning? I mean, my yoke is easy. How difficult it will be to follow me. What? I mean, there's these dichotomies. There's these juxtapositions. There's this tension of everything is futile. I, yeah, I know. I was here Wednesday. Everything is futile. And then everything is meaningful. Well, what, what? I, I give to the one that asks you. Or how about this one? Don't, don't cast your pearls before the swine. Do I give it to the pig or not? That's all I want to know. Which, which is it? See, you and I have trouble with rights and wrongs. That's why he told us in the beginning, leave it to him. There, there are some things that are so complex that there's this tension of, I did not come to judge the world. I came into this world for judgment. Well, what are you talking about? No wonder we're confused. We, we cannot think the way. He was full of grace and truth. Grace, you know, the, the, just get along to go along, right? Grace, if it's not careful, has a tendency just to say there is no sin. No, 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 there's sin. Grace, this, just, but truth, you know, it, it's oftentimes very quick to point the finger. Let me give you a couple of baselines here. Grace without truth ceases to be grace. And truth without grace crushes truth. See, you have to have both of them together. Grace without truth 
is meaningless. But truth without grace is just mean. Jesus comes and personifies humanity and divinity, grace and truth, this tension of the two. And he goes on to say in 1 John 1 that we have received, all of us, grace for grace. He comes to us. I don't know whether this metaphor works for ladies or not, but it'll work for you guys. Uh, there's more, but in your house, you do understand that it takes at least two wires to make that light come on. Two. It takes a positive amp. It takes two. Listen, it takes both grace and truth to experience the power of God. You'll never experience the power of God if you're not willing to face the truth about yourself or the truth about our culture. You'll never experience grace without acknowledging the truth. The truth is we didn't look good this week, Kent. The truth is, this isn't good. This hasn't been a good year. Humanity has not looked good. You have to face that truth. You have to feel it. And you have to own it. And we need grace, right? To live in the tension of that reality. To live in the tension that Jesus comes in the midst of that. That he was teaching in the temple and the place was packed. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. The very act of adultery. They clarified it. We didn't just hear it. We caught her. Time out. I always wonder where Henry is. You don't, you don't wonder? I mean, there's no mention of Zachariah or Henry or Billy Bob. or Where's the other dude? Last time I checked, it took two to be caught in the act. Oh, well. For you women, you need to understand that this inequality thing has been going on a very, very long time. It didn't just start 50 years ago. It started a long time ago. Men have always thought they were better than women. That's, we got to face this, that they bring this woman in and they throw. I mean, if someone did that this morning, it'd shock us, right? <gasps> oh, my God, the tension of that reality. But I, I love Jesus. He's not a reactor. He's never shocked by our sin. He's never shocked by our behavior. I don't know why we're so shocked about this week. He's never shocked about how low humanity goes. There's a reason. Listen, they don't call them first reactors. A reactor is something that blows up nuclear stuff. They're called first responders. In fact, if you ever get rolled into the emergency room and the nurse checking you in goes, Oh my God! Leap. If she's reacting to your situation in that, <laughs> or if the doctor ever goes, I don't know, <laughs> get, run, they throw her in the middle of this, and Jesus just stays calm. Can I tell you something? Jesus isn't shook this morning. And shook. It's interesting to me how they interrupt the word of God to ask him a question. I, I can remember years ago when I started preaching, and Kent, uh, one of the reasons I love Kent is because I never even had to say this to him. He knew it. Did you know God never interrupts God? You can't interrupt yourself unless you're crazy. God never interrupts God. And I grew up in a church where somebody could be preaching and somebody jump up and they got some prophetic word. God never does that. Because God doesn't interrupt God. 
And that's why so many times charismatics have lost so much respect because God never interrupts God. And they, they threw this woman down and they interrupted the word that was preaching and said, Moses told us to kill her. What do you say? What are you going to do about this? It's interesting how we have Bibles and tapes and podcasts and all these translations, but we don't know Jesus. They knew the letter of the word, but the Bible says the letter kills. The spirit gives life. See, they threw her down. Can I tell you that religion has been throwing humanity in the dirt for a very long time? That religious people, keepers of the law, people that only see the law, will be throwing others in the dirt. But it's all right. We were made from the dirt. It's all right. My dirt has his fingerprints all over it. My life has his fingerprints all over it. It's okay. That religion will always take you back to the dirt and try to make you feel guilty about being dirty. When the truth of the matter is there's not much other way to live. Those religious people act like sixth graders. Can I tell you, this week looked like a bunch of sixth graders. Six, he said, she said, they did. Bunch of babies. If you think I'm going to stand here and not tell you the truth, that's embarrassing. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? Big mistake. Big mistake to challenge God. I love the way he just leans back. Just leans back and goes silent. If God, man, if my dad went silent, you, and he just leans back and he, and he didn't say anything. The Bible says he stooped down. I love this. I, I, I wanna, I'm going to have to be real careful here. He stooped down. He just went into her. He got down lower. While religious people are up puffing their chest and screaming, Jesus just keeps going lower. He just keeps going. I've had people text me all week. What do you think? I ain't saying. But I'll tell you what the word says. Jesus went silent. If you listen and read the Bible instead of your favorite ideas, you'll understand he was oppressed and he was afflicted. And he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb into the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears. And yet he opened not his mouth and he went silent and he just went into her dust. See, before Christ spoke, he got silent and he stooped. It's not that he can't speak. Listen, he can wake up out of the back of a boat and silence the storm with three words. He, he, can, he can teach so much, the room be so full, they've got to rip the roof off to get somebody in. Listen, Jesus can say a few words and Lazarus will be jumping out of there. He can, he can teach so well, 5,000 men will forget their lunch. Jesus can preach. But at the moments when he is challenged by religious people to judge the behavior of another person, he will go silent and he will stoop into the dust of the one you're judging. That's what Jesus does. He just goes silent and he goes into the lowest moment. He doesn't react. James says we should be slow to speak. Slow to speak. He stoops. This God of heaven and earth, the celestial being, moves into terrestrial realities of humanity and he becomes flesh. The psalmist writes, who can be compared with the Lord our God 
who is enthroned on high far below him are the heavens and the earth. If the heavens are below him and the earth is below him, he stoops down to look. He lifts the poor from the dirt. Psalm 116, I love this verse out of the Living Bible. It says, I love the Lord because he hears my prayers and answers them because he bends down to listen to my prayers. We're, we're all followers of the Lord, right? So we're, we're supposed to be living the way he lives. We're not supposed to be responding to the stuff out there. We're supposed to be followers of the Christ, and the Christ bends low and listens to those that are thrown into the dust of their own sin. Psalm 17 says, he bends down to listen as I pray, showing me his unfailing love. He stooped down because she could not get up. While religious people are judging, he's stooping and bending. I have to thank him. I'm telling you, I, I kept getting caught in my little basement office this week. because He came to where I was. I was raised in the church, but, but, but I still had this. I, he still comes to where I'm at. He'll come into my, my little Jeep on the way home and, and say, Quentin, that was stupid. I can hear myself talking to Annie, and I can hear the Lord bending. I, I think sometimes he gets there before I do. Honest to God, I think he goes low and then beckons me to come. Have you ever had the Lord go low and then, and you knew? I should have been stoned. I, 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 I was caught, I was guilty. Anybody in this room that thinks they're free of guilt? You're, you're listening to the wrong gospel. The truth is we were caught in the act. All of us. I had a lady stand there right there one day and tell me, I've never slept with another man. I never drank. I never did this. I never did that. And you got people come to this church and they're just, and you need to, and look at her and said, that's right, but you wanted to. The Bible says you don't even have to do it. You just have to want to. Hello, guilty. Ain't nobody in here. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the guilt of God, of the glory of God. He stooped down. He came, this is the gospel. This is the truth. The truth is, is that we've sinned. That, that, are we happy now? He stoops down into this place. He just ignores the critics. Look at your neighbor and say, just ignore them. People ask me how I've lived through this year. I have ignored people. I've ignored it. Because most of it's stupid. I've just ignored them. And he, he ignored them. And it says he bent down and, and he got real low and he began to write in the dirt. It's interesting to me. People are always saying, what did he write? I don't know. But if you've ever been in that place, I see as a secret, I believe. I think he was writing a love letter to her. I think I, I got to tell you, here's the encounter of God is when God comes into your sin, your truth, your lowest point, and he writes, I love you. When I was a kid, most of you will never remember this, but when I was a kid, we sing this old hymn. 
that my kids make fun of me when I sing this. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. Oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. And see, until you've encountered the word in the place where you're guilty, I don't care how much you can recite, memorize. I don't care what you think you know. But until you can be honest enough to say, I have faced the truth of who I am. I have faced the truth of the fact that I have sinned and fallen short. For some of you this morning, I'm trying to look at you and tell you there's hope in your dirt. There's hope there. There's hope in the reality that we acknowledge that we are less than what he created us to be. And that the grace of God has come down into that point and touched my life. And if you read the verses, verse 7 says, they continued asking. What are you going to do? 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 Those people are sinning. Those people are wrong. Those people are that. They're this. They're that. You can't. Right. Sounds like this year. Sounds like this year. Ha, 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 ha. And Jesus is just doodling in the dirt with the woman that's guilty. Hmm. Bible says, and when they continued asking him, he raised himself up to them and he said to them, he who is without sin, let him throw the first stone. He doesn't deny their accusation because it's true. He doesn't deny what they're saying because it's true. It's true. She sinned. But here's the question. Is there anyone here that hasn't? That's the question America has to ask tonight. Who among us is not guilty? Wow. Quit telling me about what they did, they did, they do, they vote, they did. I don't care. The question is, we're all guilty. Can I tell you today on January 10th, we are all guilty. Some of us have stood by and allowed other people to spew stuff when we should have said, be quiet. Some of you have walked up to me and said things, and you can't figure out why I said less. It's because we can't. I'm guilty. I'm a human being that was caught in the trap of sin. And I can't. I don't have the ability. But there is one who is the son of the living God, who has come in his glory full of grace and truth. This is so interesting. He who is without sin, let him. This is a moment where all of a sudden you're standing there holding a stone ready to tell well, that's, I'm not like, I'm not like that, but issue is not whether or not she's guilty. Issue is not whether or not that's right or wrong. The issue is whether or not you will look at yourself. Brothers, sisters, I love you. The issue this morning is, will I look at me? The issue this morning is, can I see myself and then see his grace?
do we solve the world's problem? By taking another look at ourselves and by once again receiving freshly his grace. He stooped down and rode in the ground. I, I, see, when you're forced to take a look at yourself, you might look at other people differently. If you take a good long look at you, you might have a different perspective of me. If I take a good long look at me, I might have a different perspective of you. It's that truth. And then those that heard it, it this is interesting. He's writing in the dirt for the second time. And those that heard it, what was he writing the second time? I could speculate. <laughs> While he's writing the second time, it says, and being convicted by their conscience. I have people all the time tell me, I'm not hearing God. I'm saying, listen to your conscience. <laughs> I'm serious. And people all the time say, Pastor, I'm not hearing God. Listen to your conscience. He said all he's going to say. He's asked you a question. Listen to your conscience. Can I tell you, it's my conscience that... Mm, people that don't have a conscience, I'm not even talking to you. Uh, but come on, how many of you have a conscience and you walk away going... <sighs> people having a conscience. They, they, and, and one by one... From the oldest to the youngest. And Jesus was left alone. Have you ever been alone with Jesus? Yeah. All your other accusers are gone. See, it never was about whether or not they were accusing you. It's never about them. Can I tell you something? It's never been about your critics. It's never been about them. Care less about them. The one that matters is the one I'm left alone with. But, but notice this reading of the vernacular. Have, have you got it? Notice the reading of this vernacular. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in their midst. It's very interesting. I thought she was laying in the dirt. But here in just about a sentence and a half, she is standing. What happened? I, I think you have to agree with me. If, if they had their guns locked and loaded... But you heard him unlock the gun. If they're holding the rock ready to stone you, but what you begin to hear was thump, thump. You, you might have been weeping in the dirt a moment ago. But as the thumps continued, Anita, you'd eventually look up. See, it's easier to stand when the crowd goes away. See, the crowd always gathers to be against or for. You disperse the crowd by making the crowd look at their own sin. The crowd needs to disperse. Thump, thump. And as that thump happened, she stood, honey. He's still in the dirt. He's still in the dirt. He stays longer in the tomb than you. He will taste death for us. He stays in the dust. Even after we've stood. Where are we at today? Can we find ourselves? You see, we rate sin. We rate her sin. We rate sin. Well, 
They had an abortion. You're fat. It's called gluttony. I got you, right? I got you. It's called gluttony. They had an abortion. You're a liar. You're never going to get to heaven and there be a door here for the really bad sins. For the not so bad sins. There's no such thing as a white lie. It's a lie. It's just a lie. It's called twisted. Wicked. If you humble yourself and pray and turn from your wicked. Go look it up. Anybody got wicker furniture? Wicker. It's twisted. Turn from your twisted. Listen, you've been listening to twisted stuff. It's a lie. You, you, I'm for you. I want you to be whole. I want you to be well. I want you to be healthy. I want you to become everything God's called you to be. We have to face the truth. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's the grace of God that meets us in that dust that not only reveals our sin, but the sin of those who would be judging. It's in that moment that now what we're weeping over has already been dismissed. He said, woman, woman, where are your accusers? Well, they're gone. He goes, well, well, neither do I. It's dismissed. It's over. It's finished. God told me to tell you this morning that there are a lot of rocks, a lot of stones. People have been throwing them for a long time. But if you'll encounter Jesus, the stones lose their power. And if you've been holding a stone, I'm going to suggest to you drop it and fall on the stone. I'm going to suggest to you this morning that if you've been evaluating other people and their behavior, you need to drop that rock. You need to fall on the rock. Listen, America can recover from anything if she's willing to have both grace and truth. And that truth has to be discovered in me, and you have to discover it in you, and then you have to receive the grace, and I have to receive the grace. I have to give you grace, and you have to give me grace. And I am not looking at rose-colored glasses. That doesn't mean anything will be fixed. That just means we'll change the way we see ourselves and the way we see other people. And that's the gospel. And I have to tell you, we let go of the power of the gospel. And we've tried to find power in other things. Mm -mm. No, the power is in the gospel. It's grace and truth. Together, we live in the middle of that. The power of God will change our lives. Change our children. Change everything in our lives. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by the sending of his own son in the likeness of the sinful flesh. He sent you. 
you. Jesus came and has done what he did, and he sent you and me. You and I have to have the ability to step into the dust of other people and give grace, Kent. Doesn't mean I deny the sin, it just means that in the midst of this, I'm telling you, why would I want to be a politician? That's a demotion. Why would I want to think that policies contain power? Policies never contain power. The letter will kill. The spirit will give life. Some of you have been duped into believing that the American way is the best. No, it's just a way. And I'm glad to be here. I love the fact that I'm an American. But even Americans sin. And when we do, we have to face the truth. And we have to ask God for mercy, for grace. And generally, it begins with me. God, forgive me for... Maybe we're nothing. Maybe I'm nothing. Maybe standing here in the heart of America is nothing. But I'm preaching to you from my heart this morning. We've all been found in the dust. We've all been found wanting this week. Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Woe is me. Forgive me. Rather than me pointing fingers at other people, maybe I ought to just stand here and say, God, forgive us. Forgive us. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in America from the heart of America a heart of humility, a heart of honesty. I refuse to come in here and just motivate you. I refuse. I hope you're motivated sometimes. But more than anything, I want you to know and encounter the God that comes into your dust faces your truth, and gives you his grace. If we do that, then we have hope. We have hope. I believe this year is going to be a year of great power. I believe it's going to be a year of great power. Because I can handle the conversations that are true. I can handle that. It's true. And the reason I can handle that truth is because I know the answer to it is God's grace. Right there where you're at, if there's something in your conscience, can I just suggest to you it's very simple. If it's in your conscience, just bow your head with me. Let go of that rock. Let go of that stone. Forgive me, Father. If you're in the dust and you're crying, Christ never lives you in the shame of your sin. Christ always stands you up and gives you his grace. Either way, you're free. Whether you were the crowd or whether you were the woman, his grace is sufficient. Father, in this silence, 
I pray that we go free. Hallelujah. Free. I think Christ whispers to her, I'm for you, not against you. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time. Time.